All right. Uh, hello, brothers and sisters in the faith. Uh, welcome again to another episode of Bible History Project. Today we're going to talk about the Abrahamic Covenant as we continue to explore the life of Abraham, the friend of our Almighty God. But before we proceed, we ask everyone to please stand for our opening prayer. Everlasting and most holy Father, yes, yes. thank you so much for our life and strength. Yes. Truly, it is a great blessing to receive yes. your holy words. Yes. Teach us to accept them as your words yes. that will transform our life. Amen. Please, Father, help us to truly believe. Yes. Help us to live by faith yes. and to follow the good examples that you teach us. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we praise and worship you as well. Yes. May you increase our faith. There are times, yes, when we have doubts in our minds. Yes, Lord. Lord, help us to overcome our unbelief yes. that we will remain faithful to you and to our God. Amen. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. You will bless the minds and hearts of everyone today yes. who will listen to your commandments. Amen. We ask and beg everything, O oh Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right, praises be to God. We're gathered again uh, to study the words and the teachings of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ as recorded in the Holy Scriptures. I think we can see already by now that it is a fruitful activity indeed to study the history of God's people. In the past studies, we talked about Abraham, his calling, and his walk. And so we learned a few things about the life of Abraham. Next slide. For example, we learned the principles of what it takes to walk by faith because Abraham learned to walk by faith the hard way, right? He stumbled and he fell, but eventually he learned how to walk by faith. We too should follow his example. By walking by faith, he became a friend of God. When you become a friend of God, you have courage. The courage of faith which is required because from time to time, next slide, we are required to fight the fight of faith. And so we need to learn how to fight by faith. This is what we learned last week in our Bible study. So we walk by faith. We fight by faith. Next, in chapter 15 of Genesis, we're going to learn, next slide, how to grow our faith. Because we cannot survive from yesterday's faith. Our faith has to grow. Because if our faith doesn't grow, it dies. And if our faith dies, there goes our relationship and our walk with our almighty God. So we need to learn principles on how to grow our faith. And this is what we will learn in chapter 15 of the book of Genesis. But before we jump to chapter 15 of Genesis, just a quick recap from last week. We talked about the war next slide between the northern kingdoms right because there were the five kingdoms who formed an alliance and rebelled against cello amander and because of this the invaders from the north went to the promised land and they destroyed and annihilated the people who were in their way it just so happens who was in the place that they overcame it was lot and so lot became a slave or a servant or a war victim he became a prisoner of war and so abram by faith rescued his nephew lot and after the rescue of lot he rejected the spoils that could have been his he rejected the gifts brought by the king of sodom and so that's how uh, chapter 14 ends and i want you to place yourself in the shoes of abram okay here you are in a land you're not too familiar with you just made a lot of enemies right yes you had a great victory but oftentimes after a great victory you need to prepare for the repercussions he is surrounded by different enemies and the king of sodom probably was insulted because abram rejected his gift and so it is but right for abram to feel what afraid Always keep in mind, even after success, there is the possibility that there are those who will attack us. The devil himself is always on the prowl, and so there are reasons for him 
to be afraid. And so after the event of Genesis 14, what does God do concerning Abram? Genesis 15 and the verses 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. God knew he was afraid. Rightly so, because he was surrounded by ites and enemies. It is but human to be afraid. And if a person is overcome by fear, if one is living afraid, guess what happens to faith? It doesn't grow. It shrinks. Remember, faith and fear are like two opposite ends of a seesaw, right? If one is high, the other is Low. And so if our fear is high, what happens to our faith? It shrinks. It dies. God knows this. And so what does God say to Abram in a vision? God says to him, do not be afraid. Why? Because I am your shield. And so we as people of God, if we want our faith to grow, if we want to overcome fear, we have to make God as our Shield. That's the first principle we need to learn when it comes to growing our faith. Next slide. Make God our shield. Why can we rely on God to be our shield? Let's read the book of Proverbs 30 verse 5. God keeps every promise he makes. He is like a shield for all who seek his protection. As human beings, we do our best to protect ourselves. That's good. We have to do our part, right? However, let's not forget the most important part. What is that? Seek the protection of our Almighty God. Always pray to God. Why? Because He keeps His promises. You know, if God is our shield, we cannot be attacked by the enemy. Because He's our shield not only in the front, but also on the sides. Also from behind. Also from underneath. Also from up top. Right? God has got us covered. And so if God is our shield, we have perfect security. But why do we need security from God in the first place? From whom do we need protection? Let's read what it says in the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3 and the verses 3. But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Why do we need protection? Because there is the evil one. <laughs> We are afraid sometimes of human beings, right? And rightly so, because they can do a lot of harm against us. However, we need to be even more concerned about the evil one who seeks to destroy and devour our faith. We have no chance against the evil one, but God has power over him. We need God's protection so that we can overcome the devil, the evil one who seeks to destroy our faith. So... Next slide, please. How can we grow our faith? Number one, make God our shield. What else? Next slide. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and, what does it say? Your exceedingly great reward. Remember what Abram rejected? He rejected the spoils that come with war. He went to defeat the enemies, and he could have been very, very rich. But he rejected the spoils because he wanted to be faithful and loyal to God. You know what God said to him? I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. If we want to grow in faith, our delight ought to be not the gifts that come from God, but from God, who is the giver of gifts. Sometimes we get confused. We ask God for blessings, and it's good to ask God for blessings. But if what brings delight in our hearts are what God can give us, instead of God, who gives all these things, then we might lose our faith because we are attached to the gifts, not the one who gives the gifts. And so another principle of growing our faith, next slide, make God our Reward. Delight yourself in God's ways and in God Himself. Like who? Next slide, Psalm 73, 25 to 26. Whom I whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you. Did you get that? 
I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. How, what do we need so that we can grow in faith? Our desire should be our almighty God. Not things here on earth. Because if our desire are the things here on earth, what happens when you lose them? Right? Because these are the things that we can lose. Rather, focus our desire on God who can provide all things. Next slide. So how can we grow faith? Number one, make God our shield. Number two, make God our reward. Let's go back to Genesis 15. And the verses are two down to three. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And so here's Abram. God had a promise to him way back in Ur that he will be a father to many descendants. And so he's already here in the promised land in Canaan. And then he looks at his life. He has everything, right? Does he have wealth? Yeah, he was very wealthy. Does he have a wife? Yeah. Does he have a relationship with God? Yeah. But there's only one, there's one thing that he's lacking. What is that? He didn't have a son. That was his weakness. He had everything else except for that. I'm sure some of you can rely, I mean, can relate, right, with Abram to have so many things but missing something else. You know, in our life, we all have weaknesses. If we will complain about our weaknesses, you know what happens to our weaknesses? It will cause us to lose our faith. And so what did Abram do? He did not deny his weakness. He went to God with his weakness. Why? By how? By telling him, Lord, what will happen to my inheritance, my blessings? If I die, it's going to go to Eleazar because I don't have a son. That was his weakness. He had mentioned it to God. And so that's another principle we need to learn. Next slide. Give to God our weaknesses. Be aware of what we are lacking and bring this to the attention of our almighty God. Your worries, your cares, if they're not properly attended to, it can cause us to weaken our faith. Why does God want us to bring all of our cares and worries to him in the first place? 1 Peter 5, 6-7. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. Why should we not hesitate to bring our cares and worries, our weaknesses in life to God? Because He cares for us. God cared for Abram. God also cares for us. And what will God do when we present our weaknesses to Him? 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10 in the Christian era, the Apostle Paul says, Each time, he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness so now i am glad to boast about my, about my weaknesses so that the power of christ can work through me that's why i take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults hardships persecutions and troubles that i suffer for christ for when i am weak then i am strong why is it a good idea to bring our weaknesses to god because god can do something with our weaknesses in fact the apostle paul said the Lord said to him, my power works best in weakness. How? God has the ability to turn our weakness into what? Our strength. Abram, he was weak because he had no descendants. He had no son. He brings this to the attention of the Lord God. What does God do with that weakness? Let's read Genesis 15, 4 down to 5. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, 
look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Isn't that nice? Abram started with a weakness. I had no son. God says, look up, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. You're going to have a son of your own. And beyond that, you're going to have many innumerable descendants. And we know this promise of God was fulfilled. So his greatest weakness became what? Strength. Remember, when it comes to God, he specializes in the impossible. This is why we bring to him whatever weakness, whatever impossibility we face in our life. So how can we grow our faith? Next slide. Number one, make God our shield. Number two, make God our reward. Number three, give to God our weaknesses. You know, when Abram was told by God to count the number of stars, and, he's, and God says to him, that's how many descendants you're going to have. What was, what was the response of Abram? Let's read Genesis 15, verse 6. And, what does it say? And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So what was the response of Abram? He believed. You see, if we want to grow our faith, it begins with what? Believing the word of God. Because of the belief of Abram, it was counted to him as righteousness. It's a big thing to God that we believe. He wants us to believe his words. Where, where can we find the words of God? How can we believe in God's words? Next slide. Believe in God's words is a principle. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for th teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instruction for right living. Do you want God to speak to you? Yes or no? Because Abram, God spoke to Abram. Do you want God to speak to you today? We want God to speak to us. How so? How does God speak to us today? Through his scripture. Why? Because all scripture is inspired by God. You know that word inspired? It means God breathed. So when we read scriptures, it is God, like God breathing to us. Like speaking to us face to face. The word of God is the living word of God. This is how he speaks to us today. Through his scriptures. However, how can we benefit from the scriptures or the word of God. Let's read the book of Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. How can we? benefit from the word of God the Bible says we have to welcome it not as the word of men but as what it really is what is it the word of God we have the Bible there are some who say oh, it's only a man-made book yes God used men to write it but the one behind those words was who God and so it is truly the word of God but when will we benefit from the word of God when we believe you see god god's words has power but it can only have an effect on you when you believe the bible says effectively it works in you who believe if we don't believe we wasted the word of god it's the belief in the word of god the faith in the word of god that will release the power of the word of god this is why abram became the father of faith because he believed in god's words and so how can we grow our faith number one make god our shield number two make god our reward number three give to god our weaknesses number four believe believe and grow in god's words what else genesis again 15 7 to 8 then the lord said to him i am the lord who led you out of or in babylonia to give you this land as your own but Abram asked, Sovereign Lord, 
How can I know that it will be mine? So here's God. And he tells Abram, I called you out of Ur. And now you're in this land. And God says to him, I'm going to give this land to you. What was the question of Abram? Sovereign Lord, how can I know that it will be mine? What do you kind of sense here? Huh? What do you sense? Yeah, he's like doubting, right? I mean, he believed in the word of God, but it wasn't perfect faith. See, nobody's born with perfect faith, right? Nobody starts out with 100% belief. As human beings, sometimes we struggle with believing. Is that true? Yeah. There's Abram speaking to God. God says to him, I'm going to give you this land. Lord, wait a minute. Can you give me like a sign? How can I know? How can I know that this will be mine? Right? And so he's like struggling with God. He has his unbelief. And so he addresses his unbelief. He was honest with himself. Right? And he goes to God, Lord, I want to believe you, but give me something to believe. Right? And so one of the principles we need to learn so that we can grow our faith is next, the next slide. Ask for God's help. So we can overcome our unbelief. You know, sometimes when we have doubts about something, about the Word of God, about what we're doing, and we ask, like maybe a minister, a minister will say, just believe, right? And so we're supposed to like suppress the doubt. Don't think about the doubt. Just suppress it, put it away. Just believe. How many here received that answer before, <laughs> right? Don't ask questions, just believe. Oh, no. God wants us to ask those questions. God wants us to look into those belief, those doubts, those unbeliefs. Why? Because if we don't address it, eventually it's going to ruin our faith. You see, when we begin to think about these things that we do not yet understand, which causes us to doubt and causes us to become unbelievers, if we look at it and then we are able to rectify it, our faith becomes deeper. Do not suppress your doubts address your doubts like who next slide mark 9 verse 24 the father instantly cried out i do believe and i love this next line but help me overcome my unbelief you know who this father was it was during the days of christ he had a son who had an evil spirit in him and so what did he do? He brought it to the disciples of Christ, but they could not do anything with his son. And so here comes the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's uh, rebuking them. You generation of unbelievers, if you have faith, you can do the impossible, Christ says. And so the father, in response, he goes to Christ and says to Christ, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You know, God blessed him. And his son was cured. You see, if we have unbeliefs, if we have doubts, look for God's answers. Address them. Bring it to the minister. Bring it to God. Ask God, Lord, this is what I want to believe. This is my belief, but help me overcome my doubts and my unbelief. And God will help you. God will show that to you. So if we want to grow in our faith, number one, make God our shield. Make God our reward. Give to God our weaknesses. Believe God's word. Ask for God's help to overcome our unbelief. And so what does God do with Abram? Hmm. What can I do, God says, for my friend Abram so that he will really believe? You know what he does? Next slide. Uh, Genesis 15, 9, 9 to 10. He answered, bring me a cow. <laughs> a cow. What else? A goat. What else? And the ram, each of them three years old, and a dove and a pigeon. I wonder what God is up to. Because <laughs> he wants a sign, right? He wants to know, I mean, how can I know that you're going to give me this land? God says, okay, give me a cow, a goat, and a ram, and two birds, <laughs> right? Abram do, uh, does what God tells him to do. Abram brought the animals to God, cut them in half and place the halves opposite each other in two rows 
but he did not cut up the birds. That's kind of strange. How many think that's kind of strange? It wasn't strange for Abram. In fact, Abram was excited. He was excited. Were you, if you were Abram, would you be excited? If God told you get some bird, uh, get some cow, get a cow, a goat, and a ram, and cut it in half. Would you be excited? Or would you be like concerned? <laughs> You'd probably be concerned, right? What, why do you want me to cut a cow in two? You're going to cut a cow in two. <laughs> cut a goat in two. Cut a ram in two. Put it on opposite sides. <laughs> you know, when we listen and when we read something like this, it's strange to us. This is very bloody. You have to get a knife and kill the animal in half. Cut it in half, right? You know what God is doing here? God is making a covenant with Abram. You see, Abram wasn't quite convinced. How can I know? You're going to give me this land. And so God says, okay, I'm going to make a covenant with you. God takes covenants seriously. You see, back in the days when you make a covenant, you don't simply just sign it. Today we sign an agreement, right? When it comes to covenants back then, it was the custom to involve cutting. Yeah, it's called cutting a covenant. This was a biblical custom. And so when God was telling Abram to get a cow, a goat, and a ram, cut it in half, place it on opposite sides, what was he doing? Next slide. He was cutting a covenant. In Hebrew, it's called karath brith. Kind of strange, huh? But that's how they did They were serious about the covenant. And so you have animals cut in half, placed on opposite sides, as part of the Abrahamic covenant. What was that about? What does that mean? I don't know. Have you heard of uh, cutting an agreement? Let's cut an agreement, right? Sometimes when people make uh, two people, two parties make a pact, it's a blood pact. One person will cut his, his hand, the other person will cut his hand, they will shake on it, right? To make it like a, a real deal, let's cut a deal. That's where it came from. You cut a covenant. That's what was happening. God is reassuring Abram. This is why Abram was excited. God's going to cut a deal with me, a serious one. Like, this is it. And so what was that about? Why is that so exciting for Abram? Why? What does this mean? Let's read Jeremiah 34, verse 18. The officials of Judah and of Jerusalem, together with the palace officials, the priests, and all the leaders, God is the one speaking here, by the way, made a covenant with me by walking between the two halves of a bull that they had cut in two. But they broke the covenant and did not keep its terms. So I will do these people, I will do to these people what they did to the bull. So when it comes to the blood uh, the cutting of a covenant, it involves, next slide, to give you an idea, it involves two sides, right? You cut the animal in half, one half goes to one side, the other half goes to another side, so you have two people, two parties, who are making the covenant to each other, and once they segregate the two halves of the creatures, then they together walk the path along the two sides, Kind of like in a figure eight. And as they walk together, they repeat the covenant, the terms of the agreement. And if they will fail to meet the terms of the covenant, they agree. They bind themselves to be cut up. Just like the animals. You see how they bind themselves? You see the agreement? And God is saying, you know, Abraham, Abraham God is going to make an agreement with me. He's binding himself through this pact, through this covenant. This is why Abram was excited. So here comes the animals. He cut it in half. He's waiting for God to walk with him. Because both will walk, right? They will walk together through those animals. And as he was waiting for God to do that, what happened? Next slide. Genesis 15, 9 to 11. He answered, bring me a cow, a goat, and a ram, each of them three years old, and a dove and a pigeon. Abram brought the animals to God, cut them in half, and place the halves opposite each other in two rows. Semicolon. Between the semicolon, the next word, Abram was waiting for God to walk. 
God's going to make a covenant with me. All the pieces are set. He's just waiting for God to walk. Without the walking, without following the path, there's no agreement, right? It's not binding. And so he's waiting for God to walk because he wants to walk with him, right? But God doesn't come. <laughs> and so what happens? But did not cut up the birds. Vultures, vultures came down on the bodies, but Abram drove them off. And so after a while, God hasn't showed up yet. But who did show up? Vultures. vultures. They're called, what do you call vultures? When they eat um, carcasses, what do you call that? Scavengers. You know, in the Bible, vultures symbolize evil presence. Okay? I want you to remember this. When God makes a promise to us, who will attack? Who's going to attack? Yeah. The enemy of our faith, he will do something to mess it up. Every single time. And so the Bible's telling us here, God has made this, he's about to make a covenant. And here's Abram being tested again, right? What is he going to do? The vultures are coming. He's driving them off. And so we need to understand this principle of God. Next slide. Wait on God during difficult times. God makes a promise, but before the fulfillment of that promise, in the middle, is going to be some disappointments. Going to be some trials, some sufferings some difficulties. Do you believe that? It happens all the time. Because the enemy will try and sabotage our faith. That's what happens here. Next slide. So we should wait on God in Psalms 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so if sometimes God requires us to wait, let's wait on God. You know, when we wait on God for something, He's working on our faith. And He's strengthening what? Our heart. That's how we grow our faith. When we learn to patiently wait on God. In fact, the life of Abraham is about his struggle waiting on God. This is we'll, We will learn more about this as the story continues. Okay, So waiting on God is part of growing our faith. Next slide. How can we grow our faith? Make God as our shield. Make God our reward, give to God our weaknesses, believe God's words, ask for God's help to overcome our unbelief, wait on God during difficult times. And so what eventually happens? This is unusual. So here's Abram waiting, waiting for God to come, right? What happens next? Because he wants to walk with God so that they can have an agreement together. Next slide. Genesis 15, 12 down to 16, as the sun was setting right about now right the sun is about to set as the sun was setting abram fell into a deep sleep god caused him to sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him then the lord said to him know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years but i will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward, they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And so, while he was waiting for God, what happens to Abram? He falls in a deep sleep. God caused him to sleep. And while he was sleeping, God gives him a vision. And in this vision, God reveals to him what will happen to him and his descendants. What did he say will happen to his descendants? They're going to be mistreated for how many years? 400. Remember, the descendants of Abram was who? Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, 12 tribes. They end up where? In Egypt. For 30 years, they were treated good. But then 400 years after that, they will be mistreated. They, were, they will serve as slaves. But eventually, they will come out. God will punish the Egyptians. And then what will happen to them? They will be able to, they will leave with great possessions. 
and then eventually they will take possession of the land and so I don't think Abram was too thrilled to see that if you were Abram would you be happy you mean I don't actually <laughs> my descendants have to wait 400 plus years not until the fourth generation you know Abraham learned to deal with that though <laughs> right and something that we have to learn when we deal with God okay what is that the <laughs> next slide God has his own time and his own plan Did you get that you know if we are so fixated in our own plan and our own timing we're going to lose our faith <laughs> but if we accept the fact God has, a, has his own ideas God has his own plan and his own time then we can wait on God this is why this is very important brothers and sisters why do you think why do you think God waited or postponed the fulfillment of his promise until hundreds of years later does it mean God is slow to his promise Let's read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to do what he has promised as something. Instead, he is patient with you because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants all to turn away from their sins. You know, when we are waiting for God to do something, and it's a promise of God, and it seems that God is not fulfilling it right away, there's a good reason. There's always a good reason. You see, we don't see everything. God sees everything, right? Including the future. And so God knows what he's talking about. So don't compare your plans to God's plans. And if it doesn't match, says, oh, God's plans are no good. No. If our plans and God's plans don't match, it means God's plans are better. And he sees something that we don't. And so Abram has to wait hundreds of years later. Because God sees something. What is that? He does not want people to be destroyed. You know who those people were? Let's go back to Genesis 15, 12 to 16. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. Right? And let's jump to verse 16. In the fourth generations, your descendants will come back here for the sin. Did you get that? For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. God was giving the Amorites a chance to what? repent why he doesn't want them destroyed you see God does not want to see anyone destroyed not even the Amorites related to the Canaanites yes they were doing evil things but they have not yet reached its full measure I want you to think about that the Bible is patient and long-suffering he does not take action against the Amorites because their wickedness, their sin, has not yet reached its full measure. For some reason, God has a cup and He measures our sin. He doesn't act on our sin or against our sin, against us, until it reaches to the full. Right? This is why when we commit sin against God and God doesn't take action against us, this is what Apostle Paul reminds us. Romans 2, 4 to 5. Or perhaps you despise his great kindness, tolerance, patience. God hasn't punished you. God has been patient with you. Surely you know that God is kind because he's trying to lead you to repent. But you have a hard and stubborn heart. And so you are making your own punishment even greater on the day when God's anger and righteous judgments will be revealed. You see, all of us have a cup, <laughs> right? And if we don't repent, that cup keep, keep, keeps getting fuller and fuller and fuller until it reaches a full measure. Then God will punish us. Why do you want to make that cup full? What do we need to do? We need to repent. Yes, God is patient. Yes, God is long-suffering. But let's not reject the kindness of God let us repent God shows to Abram that he is a kind God 
because the Amorites have not yet reached the full measure of their wickedness. Next slide. How can we grow our faith? Make God our shield. Make God our reward. Give to God our weaknesses. Believe God's word. Ask for God's help to overcome our unbelief. Wait on God during difficult times. Surrender to God's time and plan because he has a reason. He has a reason for everything that he does. And oftentimes, that reason that we cannot see is because he wants people to be saved and to be delivered. And so, what else? Uh, what, happened, what happens next while Abram was asleep? Genesis 15, verse 17, And it came to pass, when the sound went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Who do you think is that smoking oven and burning torch? Who walked along the path? Who is that? Smoking oven and burning torch. That's God. God manifested himself as a smoking oven and a burning torch. And he walked that path of the covenant. But do you notice something? Who was not walking that path with him? Abram. God walked it himself. You see, what we have here is a covenant that God made with Abram that was not a bilateral agreement <laughs> because Abram did not walk. He did not have to fill any conditions. It was all on God. God bound himself to do this. What is that called? Next slide. This was an, a unilateral agreement. It was all on God. Abram had nothing to do. There's nothing he can do to mess this up. This is also called, next slide, an unconditional covenant. So God's covenant with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, is an example of an unconditional covenant. In other words, Abraham could not mess it up. And after he makes this promise, this covenant, remember, uh, this was all in response to Abram saying to God, Lord, how can I be sure I'm going to possess the land, right? And so this is what God does. He makes an unconditional covenant covenant by uh, with going through the cutting uh, ceremony and so after this what does god say to him uh, genesis 15 18 and 21 on that day the lord made a covenant with abram and said to your descendants i give this land and god even describes the boundary from the river of egypt to the great river the euphrates the land of the kenites canazites cadmonites Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. I'm not going to go through all those ites. But God, after making that unconditional covenant, He says, you're going to inherit this land. Right? And God gives the description of that land. And eventually, this was fulfilled. Because Israel, coming out of Egypt... The conquest of Joshua, the establishment of the kingdom, and then during the reign of King Solomon. It was during the reign of King Solomon that Israel became well-known and became more, most powerful. But I want you to take a look at this. Next slide. You see that yellow there? That's the land occupied by the people of Israel during the reign of King Solomon. What's the green? That's the land promised by God to Abram. <laughs> Do you see a big discrepancy? God's unconditional covenant to Abram was he would occupy the green. During the days of Israel, they only occupied the yellow. It's not even half. It's only a sliver of the promised land. What would happen to the people of Israel? Because they were unable to fulfill the commands of God, what happened to them? Eventually they were scattered, right? And for centuries, the people of Israel were unique because they were a people for centuries without land. But the prophets from Ezekiel to Jeremiah and the others, they all prophesied they will get back the land. But that would be impossible. Impossible. Until, next slide, May 14, 1948. How many here are familiar with this date? 
Yeah. This is on this date, my friends, a miracle happened. What was seemingly impossible happened. On this date, what happened? Next slide. The state of Israel is born. Yeah. What do you mean the state of Israel is born? They get land. What part of the land? Next slide. They get a part of what was promised by God. However, if we are to follow the boundaries given by God to Abram, they should also take Jordan, <laughs> Syria, and Turkey, north of Syria, and Egypt. <laughs> so what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe before Christ comes, all of that territory will be given back to Israel. I don't know. Maybe. What do you think? Because what we know, God makes a covenant. And he's serious about his covenant. No one thought Israel would be back in their own land. In fact, before 1948, many who studied the Bible were thinking and saying maybe Israel will not receive this covenant. Maybe it was not an unconditional covenant. And all of a sudden, bam, they get the land out of nowhere. Miraculously, God has given back their land. You see, God has made a covenant with Israel. That covenant, however, was an earthly covenant. Did you get that? This is why Israel today, for, uh, God is still working with Israel. Physical, earthly Israel. However, God has another covenant with Abraham. Not an earthly covenant. To get to that, we'll jump to 17. Genesis 17, verse 7. I will keep my promise to you and to your descendants in future generations as an everlasting covenant. I will be your God and the God of your descendants. This time it's not an unconditional. It's called what? An everlasting covenant. What is this everlasting covenant? It's not an earthly covenant about land here on earth. What is it? God says, I will be your God and the God of your descendants. This is about a relationship with God. This is a spiritual-based covenant. Before, it was about an earthly covenant. You will have this land. Now, God is telling Abraham, you're also going to have an everlasting covenant with me. Through you, I will have a relationship with people. I will be your God and the God of your descendants. If it's everlasting, it must, it must continue. And so how does it continue today? Let's read. Next slide, please. Genesis, uh, Galatians 3, 16, 29. Now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made, he does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so this covenant that God made with Abraham concerning worship, worship of God, that was passed on to who? Abraham's seed. Who is Abraham's seed? Christ. How can we be heirs together with Abram? Because God makes an everlasting covenant with him. If we are Christ's. If we belong to Christ, we are part of God's everlasting covenant. God agrees that he will be our God. After the apostasy in the first century church, how did God renew this covenant? Let's read Isaiah 43, 5 to 6. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Remember the covenant with Abraham? That was everlasting. You will be my people. I will be your God. Is he renewing it here? Yes. Through who? Yeah. To the gathering of God's people. When was this fulfilled? July 27, 1914. But we know what happened to the INC. Not going to say much about it. We all know what happened to her. And so does God renew the covenant today? During our time? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. The book of Je Zechariah 13. And the verse is 9. I will bring the one-third through the fire. Let's pause it for a while. This prophecy of God. Who is the one-third? Us. Us. 
the one that started in 1914 in a place called in, in, a, in the Far East. That one-third, God renewed a covenant with them. God says, you are my sons and my daughters. But they will go through the fire. And God says, we'll refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. God is using the fire to make a covenant with us. What is that covenant? God says, if you call on my name, I will answer them. And I will say to them, this is my people. And we will say to God, the Lord is my God. Brethren, we have a basis. We have a basis for what we are doing now. Our worship of God, our recognition of God, is based upon God's everlasting covenant He made with Abraham. God says to us, If you call on my name, I will be your God, and you will be my people. This is why there's no doubt what we're doing now is not our work. If we have no covenant that we can look up to, might as well disperse. But we do have a covenant that God has made with each one of us. And so what do we need to do? Let us continue the work that God has given to each and every one of us. That is our lesson. Let us all stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy. For showing to all of us that even up until now, concerning what has happened to where we came from. You have renewed your covenant with us. All of us have gone through that fire. We called out your name and you responded to us. When we made you our God and our Savior, you have said to us that we are your people. We have faith in this prophecy. We have faith in your covenant. It is everlasting. And up until now, O God, you have blessed us and continue to bless us. We look up to you, Father. We have no other way but you. Thank you for your concern. Thank you for your love for each one of us. We promise you, O God, we will grow in faith. We will do our best to please you. Only help us during times of doubt. When we sometimes feel hopeless, when we look up to you, when we call out your name, when we say you are our God, will you not respond to us and say to us that we are your people, your sons and daughters in these last days. Praises be to you, Father, for your revelation today. We glorify your holy name. Please forgive all our sins. Make us worthy to walk with you every day in our life. We ask and beg everything, O Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.